Welcome to In China with Michelle Zhou. Manufacturers have long known China to be a leader in their industry, but now the world is recognizing China as a business center for companies, market traders, education, and artists. It's no wonder that the economy has grown to be the world's second largest. In our program, you'll learn from the thought leaders and professionals who have lived in both the U.S. and China and continue to do business there. Now, here is your host, Michelle Zhou. Welcome, everyone. It's so great having you here today. You are listening to In China with Michelle Zhou, and I'm your host, Michelle. I'm the founder and the CEO of Pacific Technologies Consulting Group. We help American and Chinese organizations learn from each other, bridge their needs, and grow their businesses internationally. You can contact me at our company website, ptcgconsulting.com. And I always welcome you to connect with me on LinkedIn. Today, I invited Mr. Tianpeng Wang to the show. He's the founder and CEO of a Canadian company named Trustix. They operate an online marketplace where people can get quick and quality legal service in China. We would like to discuss what are the basic legal side of things business owners should know when they do business with Chinese customers. Or if they want to operate their business inside China, welcome to the show, Tianpeng. Thank you, Michelle. Good afternoon.、Uh, I would like you first to introduce yourself to our audience, especially your connection with China. Thank you for sure. I'm a lawyer by training. I am a lawyer qualified in New York, New York State of New York, as well as in China. I was born and grew up in China, and、uh, I went to the first law school in Beijing in 1990s before China entered the World Trade Organization.、Um, after graduation from university, I went to the U.S. I went to Louisville, Kentucky,、uh, to finish my、uh, JD education. I became a New York qualified lawyer after、uh, obtaining my legal degree. And went back to China, starting my practice as international business lawyer. I practice in several international law firms, including、um, Linklater's, Morrison Forster, which is an American firm, and Clifford Chance. Then I became a partner at the first-tier Chinese law firm. I've been advising international companies doing business or making investment in the Chinese market. In the past 15 years,、uh, I helped dozens, if not hundreds, of American and European companies、uh, invest in the Chinese market, including such companies like、uh, John Deere, Goldman Sachs, Weber Pinkers, Telefonica, so on and so forth. So my connection with China is very strong, personally and professionally. So you did pretty well in China, and、uh, all these years working on many big cases, right, for different companies.、Uh, why did you go to Canada? I know you are living in Canada in Ottawa. What happened?、Um, it's one hundred percent a family reason. Ah, I, I met my wife in the U.S. when we were、uh, in school. That's twenty years ago, and.、Uh, We enjoy the North American culture and the lifestyle. 
And uh, after so many years practicing and living in China, and after we have our first kid, we realized that we want our kid to grow up um, enjoying uh, the North American education and uh, having a different lifestyle. And uh, my wife uh, was very lucky. Uh, she was admitted by uh, a Canadian university. And uh, she and my son came to Canada a few years ago. And um, after she graduated from, uh, got, got her master's degree, and we made a family decision. Then I came to uh, Canada and settled down and started to work with a Canadian venture capital fund. And I was one of their, um, I'm still is, I'm still am a venture partner of this venture capital fund. And um, this is how I settled down in Canada. Mm, so Canada is your home now? Yes, it's my new home. You created this company, Chestix, and you called it a marketplace. I already went to your um, website, uh, looked at, you already have a lot of lawyers uh, uh, on this webpage. Uh, and um, I know this is uh, one of the major things that you think is very important to do. So uh, can you tell us uh, what is it and why did you build this marketplace? As you pointed out, it's an online marketplace, which is some sort of like Fiverr or Uber or Airbnb. Basically, it connects two sides of uh, the service. One side is service provider. Uh, in our scenario, uh, they are lawyers, uh, professionals. On the other side of the platform is service purchasers. Uh, in our case, uh, the primary target of clients are international, small and medium-sized enterprises and business individual people. The reason I started to think of building such a platform, uh, actually, that was back to 2018. And uh, based on my experience helping Canadian companies exploring the Chinese market, when I was the venture partner of this Canadian Venture Capital Fund, I help their portfolio companies explore market potential opportunities in China. I didn't realize until I started to help them that small and medium-sized companies have so much difficulty finding convenient, high-quality legal help in a foreign market, including China. Because the firms they use at home are usually local firms and not doing international business. And once they reach to the other side of the world, across the ocean, they will not have the same network or resources as Fortune 500 corporates. Mm -hmm. So when they have this kind of uh, legal needs, either related to IP protection or uh, related to employment law issues or things like joint venture or distribution agreements, or such simple things like have a simple contract to be translated into Chinese. People don't have a convenient, a expedient way of solving all these needs. Once I identify this market, I start to think of whether there's a convenient way I can do 
combining my past experience as a lawyer, as well as my existing experience as a venture capitalist. So I talked to a few friends. Luckily, a friend of mine who is a very experienced software engineer and agreed to join me. And we started last year and built up this platform where people can have access to our pre-vetted high-quality English-speaking lawyers directly. And you can choose the service you need and you can choose the lawyer who works for you directly without any uh, middle person, without a referral, and even without paying a return of fee. There is no any sort of fee until uh, you use. So we hope to build a direct access, a convenient platform to help people uh, to address their legal needs. Yeah, I got a concept, pay by use, right? Yes. And I'm running my own small business here because I do cross-border business consulting. There are many times that the companies I help, they have these cross-border situations and uh, we need to find uh, professionals to help. Uh, on my side, I help them on the strategic side, uh, market entry uh, strategies. Then if they want to go there or they want to sign contracts, there's a lot of situations needs to get a, a legal service. Uh, I totally get the point that having someone who is very knowledgeable, who has all this kind of background, help us uh, uh, look at the contract and make sure things are in the right way. And if nothing bad happens, that's great. And once something happens, then what are some ways we can uh, handle? Uh, that's very, very helpful. Yeah. Uh, I think the other thing you mentioned, it's not a open market to the service providers. You do the mm, vetting process. You do the uh, validation of who is the right person if they are qualified <laughs> to be here. So that's uh, very important. Mm -hmm. Quality control is very important. And we put a lot of efforts uh, in screening, selecting, and vetting the lawyers who can be on the platform. So all the lawyers on the platform have passed three steps vetting process. They are experienced professionals. They speak English. They know what they are doing. Um, that's the primary way, we believe, I believe, to control the quality. Mm. Then coming back to the point of the service providers on the platform, currently I see many of them are in China. So that gives me the indication, well, if I want to do business with people in China, then I can use them. Uh, I wanted to know your plan. I know you go step by step. Uh, what is the ultimate future that you want to build? Is it just between North America and China, or is it something uh, bigger? It, it's very... It's a very good question, and it's, it's always something uh, I and my team um, think about where we want to drive this business. And we think of our business in several stages. The stage one is where we are now. We want to do it right from the beginning, handling the market between China and North America and providing high quality legal service for American Canadian companies 
doing business in China, and then later on helping Chinese business find high quality legal consultation and legal service here in North America. This is stage one. In stage two, we want to expand to other similarly challenging markets uh, like Southeast Asian countries from the perspective of North American companies and uh, to South American uh, countries from the perspective of the Chinese and uh, Asian countries. Mm -hmm. So uh, this is stage two. And also, if we go smoothly, we definitely want to cover some other verticals in addition to legal, maybe accounting, maybe tax, depending on how well we go. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we always start with the places we know, with the um, profession or the knowledge we have, the connections we have. Uh, or we can think of this like uh, Amazon, right? Started with selling books, then later with the same platform building on many more vertical services. Yeah. Okay, that's a great dream. I really like it. I can imagine myself uh, and many other small businesses. Uh, cost is very important. Speed is important. And even just figure out where to start. If you don't have all these connections, you probably even don't know, you know where's the starting point. So I think uh, getting at least knowing where is a quality starting point and uh, figure out the different things from there that will be really important in the future. Mm -hmm. yep. Yeah, exactly. All right. I think it's time to take a very quick break. Uh, we will come back. When we come back, I want to really get some very useful tips from you for people who are thinking about working with Chinese companies or doing business in China. You are listening to In China with Michelle Zhou. Now, back to this week's program. We're back. Uh, before we took the break, we talked about the company, Chastix, and why you built that company. Since you are a lawyer uh, qualified in both New York as well as in China, you can provide services in those places. And now you are living in Canada. I think uh, you have a lot of experience between all these three countries. Now, uh, please give us some advice, just thinking about SMBs, small business and medium businesses. Uh, help them to understand the very basics on the legal side when they want to do business with Chinese customers. Um, maybe start with something very fundamental that we should know. Okay. There are certain things that are very fundamental, very sounds basic, but very important to know. For example, um, it's different from the U.S. and Canada. Mainland China has only one legal system and one judicial system. Mm -hmm. In the U.S. and Canada, we all know there is a federal level and the state or provincial level. But in China, if you run into legal issue in one part of the country, you can always engage a lawyer from any part of the country to represent you in the court, in the local court. So it's one uh, judicial system, one legislation system. But in the meantime, local practice is also very, very important. That's why when international companies go to the Chinese market, when they talk about the big issues, 
when they talk about the national level law and the interpre interpretation of the law, they always want to use uh, major law firms, uh, first-year lawyers in Beijing, Shanghai, because they know uh, they have better practice and more exposure to international transactions. But when you run into specific regional legal issues, it's very, also very important to talk to someone who has the local knowledge, who can communicate with the local government, who can understand the specific approaches to be taken in a city or in a province. I think you are indicating something here. <laughs> uh, in China, because I grew up in China as well, and I do a lot of business inside China or with Chinese partners. Uh, I think you are indicating that in China, it's not just the policies on the paper, right? Chinese really think highly about relationships. That's why knowing the local people, the local government, it can help your business run more smoothly. Sometimes the relationships between people can really make a very big difference of your business. I, I think you definitely get a very important point. Uh, especially true uh, when we talk about business issues. The relationship with the local government and the local business community is super valuable and critical. And it actually is also true when we talk about the legal issues. And because although there are so many laws, regulations on the national level, it can be very different when you talk to the different regions in terms of how the local government interpret mm. the national regulation in that particular region. So that's what I meant by talking to someone in, a, in the region your business is who knows the local practice is super critical and very important. Hmm. Okay, so you mentioned uh, uh, one of the things uh, that we should pay attention, we should consider the local perspective versus just the central government or uh, on one side. I have a, a specific question on this. When we sign contracts, uh, there's always this one item of if anything happens, right? If we need to involve the legal system, uh, where is the right place to go? Under what law? And of course, in the US, people would like American companies want to, oh, under our law. Then in China, um, the Chinese side would say, well, we want to have it under our Chinese law. Uh, and in our city, uh, what is the guidance here? If we let's just think of very simple things. If I'm just doing trade with China, I'm selling, let's say, cherries <laughs> to China. Then what is a typical practice here? Uh, the contract looks like. You will notice that in in chi Chinese laws regulations, actually there are a lot of concepts very similar to the U.S. Uh, legal concepts. For example, freedom of contract is, uh, is also well respected under the Chinese law, uh, Chinese contract law. So basically parties in general have the freedom to choose the governing law and the jurisdiction and where the case will be heard. And that's a general rule. Of course, there are certain exceptions. There are certain rules prevailing. For example, when you talk about joint venture contract and uh, talk about setting up a business 
in China. And there is a legal requirement that the governing law has to be the Chinese law mm-hmm. because you're talking about setting up a presence inside the country. But if you are only talking about a commercial contract, like the scenario you mentioned, is an international trade, sales of goods, in those type of scenario, parties can choose the governing law without being restricted by the you know, Chinese law. Mm-hmm. And in terms of the jurisdiction, basically is a big topic of dispute resolution. Whether you choose the dispute to be heard by a court or by arbitration panel. Mm-hmm. And whether you want the case to be heard inside China or in an international setting. So usually parties have the freedom in almost all the cases. Party have the freedom to negotiate. Of course, each party will be trying their best to fight for the most convenient venue for themselves. And in the end, parties will compromise. Eventually, I have seen so many times that the compromise um, result will be Hong Kong international arbitration or Singapore international arbitration between the Chinese party and the American company. Ah, pick a third place, which is a little bit more connected to both sides. <laughs> yes, actually, even you end up with arbitration in China, there are two very reputable arbitration panels, one in Beijing, one in Shanghai. Actually, American company or Canadian company actually can still choose arbitrators because on the list of arbitrators, um, you can choose a, a person you trust. Um, from America, because there are so many international arbitrators listed on their um, recommended list. Mm-hmm. I also know uh, there are many, you know, just the daily practice is different. Uh, I read one of the articles that your company put on LinkedIn. Uh, you talked about the corporate sales in China, which is very different than you know, in North America. Uh, for example, when I do business with my, uh, with my business partners in China, they give me the contract and they ask me to put my corporate sales. I said, well, I don't have one. I just sign it. And my signature has the binding effect for this contract. But in China, it's not signature. It's the, you know, chops or the, the sales. Uh, can you Give us some basic education on this because I think it's very interesting when I read that uh, article, I said, yes, I know that, but uh, I think many people probably will find this is a, a very new information. Yes. Um, as I mentioned, there are a lot of concepts, um, similar concepts between the Chinese law, law legal system and the, uh, the U.S. legal system, but there are a, a lot different concepts. For example, there is a concept in in China uh, we call legal representative, which refers to the individual who usually is the CEO or chairman of the board of the company who by law has the authority to bind the company. For example, if you are the legal representative registered with the company, with the government, then you will automatically have the authority to, to sign and your signature will have binding authority on the company. But that's only true if you are the registered legal representative. Otherwise, 
the company has to have its corporate seal to show the binding authority of a contract. The reason being, under Chinese law, the company is an independent legal person separate from the CEO or separate from the shareholders. So the legal person, the company, has its own identity and has its own way to enter into a binding contract. So the company's seal represents the company's legal authority. And the seal has to be made through a specialized um, procedure. So in general, to put it more simpler, the corporate seal and the legal representative, the signature, have the equal binding authority. Both of them can bind a company to perform a contract. Because mm, the uh, legal representative may not involve in all these uh, operations, right? You cannot ask this person to sign everything uh, for every contract. So the corporate seal, uh, the, the round one, because <laughs> there's different yeah. shapes, the round yeah. one and with the red ink, that's the one representing also this is the company for this. And I know not just that corporate seal, there are many different seals. Each department may have different ones. Uh, like um, the finance department, they have their own uh, yeah. finance seal and uh, some other departments have their own. So it can end up uh, if it's a company with all these different functions. They can have a handful of different seals uh, representing different parts of the company. Uh, how do we interpret this and um, how is this being managed by the Chinese company and when would be the one being used at what situation with me if I'm selling my cherries to China? <laughs> it's complicated and for, for people who are not familiar with the situation and actually it's not that complicated for people who are familiar with the situation because uh, each of the company has internal rule or policy how the seals are managed and who can use the procedure uh, the, the seals as well as what's the procedure to be applied when a seal needs to be used for example as you mentioned there is a finance seal which is taken care of or in the possession of the finance department so usually the cfo if in a small company or the controller in a big company will have the possession of the finance sale. And there are different other sales, as you pointed out, like called contract sale. When you sell or purchase and enter into a sales contract, either the company sale will be used or the contract sale will be used. And there is a, usually the company has their internal policy and the rule how the sale will be used. Actually, many Chinese people and Chinese business people will believe the corporate sales are more, more difficult to fake a document if parties use a corporate sale compared to signature. Because first of all, you need to prove the counterparty, whoever signs the contract, has the authority to sign on behalf of the company. But the corporate sale represents the company it's hard to duplicate a seal, and it's a 
felony in China if somebody make a sale, a fake sale themselves. So basically, people would regard sale as a higher authority, as a matter of practice. Hmm. Yeah, the seal, the culture is carried through this history in China. It carrying to today's business. Yeah. Yes, mm. that's a yes, very interesting way to look at it. I think definitely you are you are right in that、uh, perspective. So besides this uh, uh, corporate seal,、uh, do you have any other examples that you can? Help us learn the basics and understand the very interesting difference between North America and China, or the Western and China. Yeah, and the the Chinese legal system has been evolving very rapidly, especially after China entered the WTO. Every year, there are hundreds of new laws, regulations have been published, and so basically, if you Do business with the Chinese market, especially for those companies that have already set up a presence in China. People need to pay attention, close attention, and follow closely with the progress and the changes、uh, in the regulation that apply to their business, to their industry. For example, in China, there is a very new thing we people refer to as negative list, which refer to the The, the list of industries where international investors may not be allowed to set up a subsidiary in China, or may even not allowed to have equity interest in a Chinese company, and the list becomes has been becoming shorter and shorter,、mm-hmm. and it used to be a very very long list, and in many many industries only joint venture is allowed. And、uh, the, the U.S. company or European company are, are now allowed to have a controlling interest in those companies. And fortunately,、uh, the trend is、uh, that the list becomes very short. And in most、uh, most industries now, international companies can have majority interest or even 100% controlling interest in a Chinese entity. That's a very、um, interesting thing for many. International players, for example, recently China opened up its financial industries even further,、yeah. like J.P. Morgan and other large Wall Street firms are expanding their business in China to to leverage the the new trend. Mm-hmm. So you are saying China is becoming more and more open, so different kinds of uh, yeah, uh, foreign entities can set up companies or have certain um, uh, shares uh, in the company in China.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, can increase the 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 interest, the, the ownership in Chinese companies. Are you interested in expanding your business to China, but don't know how to start? Are you wondering how to grow your sales in the China market and win over competition? Meet Michelle Zhou and her team at Pacific Technologies Consulting Group. Our consultants are U.S.-China experts and have all lived and worked in both the U.S. and China, with many years' experience in market entry strategies, management, and execution. We can help you find the right partners, develop opportunities, and grow your business in China. Please visit ptcgconsulting.com today. 
All right, we are back. You are listening to In China with Michelle Zhou. I'm talking to Tianpeng Wang from Chestix.com. Uh, he is the CEO and founder of this company. Uh, it's a marketplace, a platform for legal services. Now, in our last part of this conversation, I really want to get your advice for businesses, especially small, medium businesses in the North America. What are some things we must consider when we are doing business with China? It's a big topic and a very important topic. And uh, there are a few things I would like to uh, remind uh, international business and uh, emphasize the importance. Uh, first of them is very obvious, the legal translation. Errors in legal translation even if it's a minor error, can cause huge consequence impact on the future relationship, as well as um, in important transactions. So I would like to emphasize the importance to fund high quality legal translation. It's very important. Uh, even if the governing law is in English, but the Chinese version is also important to avoid future dispute between the parties. Second thing is due diligence. It's always important to find out as early as possible who you are dealing with. There are ways to do very easy, quick checkout to find out some basic information of the counterparties, like a distributor who approach you to want to be your agent in China, Maybe it just takes a few days for you to find out who they are before you enter into any serious discussion. And going forward throughout the process of any transaction, there is always opportunity to find out more about your counterparty and either directly by yourself or through a third party like a lawyer and other agent. It's very important. Thirdly, I would like to emphasize uh, one point we, we mentioned, we touched upon earlier, how complicated the legal system is and how often legal issues um, get involved in policies, business issues, especially when you uh, get into the details of business negotiation involving other parties beyond the counterparty, maybe local government, uh, industrial zone, free zone, and there are so many other parties to get involved. And the issues, even if it's a legal issue per se, but can become very complicated. Mm -hmm. So consult with the advisor, talk to people who have the firsthand experience is super valuable, can help you a lot. And lastly, I would emphasize local knowledge is very important. Mm -hmm. Sometimes uh, you can, you, people prefer talking to uh, people who are from your home country. For example, uh, a Canadian company want to rely on a Canadian lawyer in Canada. And sometimes it helps, sometimes in addition to that, I would recommend you engage a local council because the local knowledge 
and uh, local experience is so important, which just cannot be obtained by reading some know-how and by working remotely from the local market. I believe it's, uh, uh, it's easy to understand this scenario, this rationale, and uh, it's just so important. There are excellent professionals on the ground in China, and uh, although it's, sometimes it's not easy for people to find them, but uh, finding them, talking to them, relying more or less on their advice is very, very important. So, so uh, these four pieces of advice mm. I'd like to share with the international business. Oh, that's great. You mentioned uh, different things, right? From the very simple one that signing contracts or uh, having these uh, negotiations, it may come such as a document <laughs> translation yeah. Yeah. yeah, to the more complicated ones when things happen. Then how do you uh, find the local people to help you to solve yeah. those distributes, um, yeah. to go through the, you know, all these processes? When we are doing business with China, maybe at different points of the business, maybe we need different uh, services. Right. Of course, like um, when, when you have a big transaction and uh, when you have a big team on the ground, I think it's much easier for you to rely on a big team of professionals and uh, people would not doubt about that. But if you have a small transaction, a small deal, sometimes people just ignore or forget about uh, preparation, forget about due diligence, forget about uh, you know, consultation with professionals because they think, okay, it's just one-time thing, it's easy, it's simple, straightforward, but it may not be true. Mm-hmm. So talking to someone who may share with you their second opinion, I think it's also important, even if you don't need to get, in, get involved with um, you know, a big firm or a team of advisors. So I have a specific uh, case here. One of my clients are thinking about um, hiring a Chinese manufacturer to build their product. Right, and in such kind of activities, it's very often. No matter you are building, uh, you are you are selling shoes. <laughs> you get the design in the U.S., then you have a Chinese manufacturer do it for you, or technology products, uh, all kinds of things. Right. So in such kind of situations, what are some services? Legal, uh, we are talking about legal side uh, that they may encounter along the journey, and where, uh, at what point, they should go to chestix.com. Uh, find quick and affordable professional service. In this type of OEM, this kind of uh, overseas manufacturing arrangement, um, people usually the first thing to come to their mind is IP protection, mm-hmm. uh, the trademark registration. Uh, if a special patent is involved, of course, patent uh, need, be, need to be registered not only in your home country, in Canada, in the U.S., but also need to be filed in China as soon as possible, as early as possible. Also, all the contracts to be signed usually need to be translated into uh, Chinese. And of course, as mentioned before, 
the accuracy of the translation is very important, even if the governing one uh, is the English version. And also if it involves uh, certain issues like tax issues, import-export control issues, and quality control issues, there are so many things people might need to figure out in advance, you know, what situation you are stepping into. Whether or not a potential business will use Trustix, uh, is, um, it depends on their needs. Maybe they have already have their legal counsel. Of course, they will rely on their local legal counsel in China to help with everything. But if they do not have a ready-to-go legal counsel, I think it's worthwhile uh, checking it out on our uh, site to use one-time high-quality legal service to at least double-check what you are signing to verify at least the final version of the contract, both languages, before you sign them to avoid you know, the future uh, risk down the road. Wow. It looks like there are multiple points we need to involve the legal services to help uh, take a look and to avoid the risks. Yes, actually, uh, no matter where uh, the business is, uh, in wherever jurisdiction we are talking about, legal risk is always one of the, uh, the major concerns uh, the business needs to at least bear in mind. Uh, try to avoid as much as possible. And uh, so basically preparation and the precaution uh, is super important. All right. Thanks so much. Uh, I appreciate your knowledge sharing. Uh, hope the platform trustix.com keep on growing, uh, keep on adding uh, different uh, service providers. Uh, and that's a great place for small businesses to start if they need to find the lawyers to uh, help them with their business in China. Yeah, thank you, Michelle. Um, I think that's our goal, to help as many small, medium-sized businesses as possible. And we, because it's a free to set up account and we offer a freemium, valuable know-how and insight provided by the legal expert from China. So we hope that people even if people don't have this need immediately, but they can become our registered member because it's free and they will have uh, high quality know-how handy so to help them out. Okay, so there's a, a database of knowledge, uh, know-hows there. So if you sign up as a member, you would be able to see those information and get the basic education there. Okay, great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's a very good idea. I like it. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Michelle. <laughs> Thanks Thank so you. much. So today we talked about knowing the legal basics when doing business in China. I want to thank our speaker today, uh, Mr. Tianpeng Wang, the founder and the CEO of uh, Trustdisks.com. And people can find more information about this company. Just go to their website, T-R-U-S-T-I-I-C-S. You are listening to In China with Michelle Zhou. I look forward to talking to you next time. Thank you for tuning in to In China with Michelle Zhou. 
Please join us for another edition next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We'll talk again next week. 